Welcome to the AMM Dividend Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Bush. Uh, I just did a portfolio update episode on Visa, and it showed down with Amazon over card fees. So I thought it'd be the perfect time to do the second episode in the series of Does Companies X Common Stock Count as 1042 Qualified Replacement Property? And so we'll look at Visa to see if it qualifies. Now, a reminder, our full disclaimer is at the end of the show, but just briefly, these are my opinions. This is for educational entertainment purposes only, and this is not an offer to buy or sell securities. 1042 Qualified Replacement Property matters if you own shares in a closely held C corporation, and then you sell your shares to an ESOP. Now, the ESOP could have owned 30 plus percent of the common shares before, or if the act of you selling your shares gives it 30 plus percent, you can then roll the proceeds from that sell into qualified replacement property. You have about a year to do that, and as long as you do not sell the QRP, you don't have to pay capital gains on the shares you sold to the ESOP. But once you sell the QRP, you have to pay those capital gains. Uh, An added tax bonus is if you die while owning that qualified replacement property, your heirs will receive a stepped-up cost basis. This was just a brief synopsis, uh, just to kind of give you the hint of some of the tax advantages. But there are a lot of moving parts with ESOP buyouts and rollovers. And that's beyond the scope of this episode. So like the previous one, there's a link in the show description to a book that covers ESOPs, leveraged ESOP buyouts, ESOP rollovers, and uh, 1042 qualified replacement property. But essentially, there are three tests for an asset account as qualified replacement property. The first is it has to be the right type of security. This is common stock, preferred stock, fixed rate corporate bonds, corporate convertible bonds, and corporate floating rate notes. It can't be a REIT, uh, an MLP, federal or local government bonds. It can't be real estate. It can't be a mutual fund uh, or an ETF or other index products. It can't be a CD. Essentially, it has to be another operating business. Second, it's an asset test. The company must use 50% or more of its assets in the, quote, active conduct of trade. And that's from the IRS code, and they don't go into further what is active conduct of trade and what counts as that 50% of assets. The third test is an income test. Passive income cannot exceed 25% of gross receipts in the year preceding its purchase. Visa's common stock obviously passes the first test. It's common stock. So moving on to the asset test, looking at Visa's balance sheet, I remove restricted cash for litigation and investment securities in both current assets and non-current assets. We want to keep all operating assets in the balance sheet because these are the assets needed to run the business and to conduct active trade. We want to remove non-operating or financial assets, anything that the company can earn interest on or earn a return on. Goodwill and intangibles seem like they would be non-operating assets, but they usually are included and defined as operating assets. And this is what Visa had to say about their goodwill and intangibles in their 2020 10K. Quote, long-lived assets such as goodwill, indefinite-lived intangible assets, finite-lived intangible assets and property, equipment and technology are considered non-financial assets. The company does not have any non-financial liabilities measured at fair value on a non-recurring basis. Finite-lived intangible assets primarily consist of customer relationships, trade names, all of which were obtained through acquisitions, unquote. Yeah, key customer relationships and trade names are vital to the daily active conduct of trade. So just after that small adjustment uh, of removing investment securities from both non and current assets, what remains is about 96% of Visa's assets are involved with the active conduct of trade. So it passes the asset test. 
Now the income test. Visa generates revenue through the following segments. Uh, the first one is service revenues, which consists mainly of revenues earned for services provided in support of client usage of Visa payment services. Data processing revenue. It's earned for the authorization, clearing, settlement, value-added services, network access, and other maintenance and support services that facilitate transaction and information processing among our clients globally. International transaction revenues earned for cross-border transaction processing and currency conversion activities. Other revenues consist mainly of value-added services, license fees for use of the Visa brand or technology, fees for account holder services, certification, licensing, and product enhancements, such as extended account holder protection and concierge services. Then there's client incentives, which consist of incentives provided in contracts with financial institution clients, merchants, and strategic partners for various programs designed to grow payments volume, increase Visa product acceptance, win merchant routing transactions over our network, and drive innovation. And incentives are a contra revenue item. So after all that, the category that could violate the income test is the other revenue category because it lists licensing in its description. But when I look at the trailing 12 months of revenue for each category, other revenue counts for 5.1% of total gross revenue. I'm not counting incentive revenue because that's a contra item. We want gross receipts, not net. Service revenue is about 35%. Data processing revenue is around 40%. And international revenue is just shy of 20%. So Visa passes the income test. Based on our assessment of what constitutes qualified replacement property, Visa appears to pass all three tests to be considered QRP. Again, if you're contemplating an ESOP rollover and investing in 1042 qualified replacement property, please talk to your lawyer and tax advisor. And read that book in the description that I linked to. That covers ESOPs and everything that's involved with ESOP buyouts and rollovers. You, know, you want to understand everything that's involved. There are a lot of moving parts. After all that, if you're interested in buying stock or more specifically dividend growth stocks for part of your ESOP rollover strategy, then give us a call at 858-755-0909. We can help you determine if this is the right move for you, and if not, hopefully we can point you in the right direction. Thank you, and now our full disclaimer. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Glenn Bush and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of American Money Management, LLC, an SCC registered investment advisor who serves as a portfolio manager to private accounts. Clients of AMM, Mr. Bush, employees of AMM may buy or sell securities mentioned without prior notice. The opinions expressed do not constitute a recommendation to buy or sell securities. This podcast should not be considered investment advice and is for educational purposes only.